0: All right, I really want to get into this, and we're kind of behind, so I'll go a little quick to catch up, but this is so, Romans 5, all of Romans is rich, but Romans 5 has shown itself to me to be extremely rich, a great blessing to me just has been making my way through these verses. So that's where we are, we're in Romans 5. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to grab one of those blue Bibles, I'd like you to be looking at God's Word while we're working our way through it. And you can turn to page 942, that'll bring you to this section of Romans, Romans chapter 5. And we're kind of moving slower than I anticipated through this section, believe it or not. I actually was going to move faster, but I just, I don't, I want to kind of let these truths that we're finding here saturate a little bit into our minds and our hearts. So... We only covered one point last week, we'll be lucky to cover one point this week, uh, and, but they're really important points. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, by the way, to, to listen to that message online, go online, but let me do this, <clears throat> let me review a little bit in case you weren't here, and just to kind of pick up the steam and move forward to the next point. This section of Romans has been labeled, and I said some of these things last week, this section, verses 1 through 11 of Romans chapter 5, has been labeled by Bible teachers as the the blessings of justification, okay? The blessings of justification, or the, excuse me, blissful consequences of justification. That is justification by faith. And I told you last week that while I agree with that general label for this section, I would add that Paul's primary purpose in writing about the special blessings that belong to those who are justified by faith, is to give his readers the assurance that this particular method, what method? The method of justification by faith alone, that that method will not let them down in the end or leave them facing the wrath of God at the final judgment. Why is that necessary to point out? Because remember who he's talking to. He's talking to Jews, he's talking to Gentiles, but to the Jews, he's telling them, it doesn't even matter, you don't even have to be a Jew to be saved. You don't have to be circumcised to be saved. It's not obedience to the law that saves you because that would require perfect obedience. And yet these are all of the things that they believed and now Paul's telling them, no, listen, it is by faith. In fact, it's always been that way, my friends. It is by faith in God and his promises that one is made right with him. One is justified. That is the method by which God saves sinners. Justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And so in explaining now the benefits that flow out of this justification by faith, he's doing that to show his readers you can be assured that if you're relying on this, it's a good thing to rely on. You can be confident because it will bring you into heaven. It will, it, will, it will be the reason that you will escape the wrath of God. So, Paul's basically teaching in this section, I think primarily getting at that through justification by faith alone, one can be absolutely certain of their ultimate salvation. So, Paul does this. He, how does he start off by doing that? He says that as a result of having been justified by faith, this is what we looked at last week, he uses the word we, and he's referring to himself and his Christian readers now. As a result of justification by faith, you can know this we have peace with God. We have peace with God. That's so big, that's so huge. We spent 45, 50 minutes just talking about that last week. By that, Paul means you you have a relationship of peace with God. The justified sinner, beloved, is no longer considered an enemy of God. But they are now counted a friend of God, fully accepted by him. All of God's hostility toward us, towards our sin, us who have been justified by faith, all of that hostility has been extinguished in Jesus Christ. And peace has been made and permanently declared between us and God. That's what he's talking about. Therefore, we can rest assured that God will keep us from his wrath in the final judgment and bring us safely into his glorious kingdom. Now, I obviously said a lot more than that last week, okay, because that took a few minutes and I took 45 minutes to do that, but there's a lot to it, so I encourage you, if you weren't here, to go back and listen. But beloved, this is so important. There is a a general overemphasis, in my opinion, in our day, and it has been for a long time, on, on God and his love without telling the rest of the story. So people are walking around going, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you okay, then I can just stand back and say, then it doesn't really matter. I mean, he loves me, so I'm sure in the end I'll be okay. But the love of God is bound up in Jesus Christ. That's where we find the love of God. Why? Because sinner, without Jesus Christ, you are condemned. You're under the wrath of God. You're not under his love. You're under his wrath. And that used to be the message of the gospel until somewhere along the line, people said, I don't want to hear about the wrath of God. Well, you need to, because it's the very thing that causes us to run, to flee to Jesus Christ, the Savior. And it's the very thing that makes us stand in awe when we hear now that God loves us. And by that, we mean he sent his son to die for us, to save us from the very wrath we deserve. All right, so that. That's not even in my notes, but I'm just a little worked up. I'm a little worked up about this stuff. This is why this is so important. Who cares if I have peace with God? If me, if he loves me, it's super important that you have peace with God. If you don't have a relationship of peace with him, then you remain his enemy. You're under his wrath, beloved. So this is why Paul says, listen, those of us who have been justified by faith, let me tell you something glorious. We have. Peace with God. We have it. It's ours. We possess it because we have been made right with God through Jesus Christ. So now when I sing about the love of God, oh, he loves us. I know what that means. Not just some kind of general display of his love, like some old grandfather sits up there and goes, man, I just love you guys. No, it's not like that. He loved, he demonstrated his love by sending his son to bear the wrath that I deserved. That's how I know God's love. That's how I know he loves me. See? All right. We're ready for the text now. We're gonna, now we're going to see, not only do we have the peace of God, beloved, but what's the next treasure we find? What's the next blessing of justification? Let's look at the text. We'll read it all, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, I mean it's just Paul's just imagine, he's not just gonna, oh, therefore, you know, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This is huge, this is significant. He's he's probably bursting forth from the seams. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Huge. Verse 2 Through him, we have also obtained access by faith and to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We're actually going to stop right there. We're going to stop right there. I'm not going to read all 11 verses just for the sake of time. So what we're doing is we're continuing to consider six assertions, six assertions. So those are statements of facts, strong statements of facts concerning or related to this method of God saving us, justification by faith. And we're doing that so that we who have put our faith in Christ might be fully assured of our salvation, okay? That's what we're doing. The first one was we have peace with God. That was last week. And the second one is, and here it is, we are standing in grace. We are standing in grace. This is so good, so rich. I'm so glad you guys are here. I just wish 40 more people that for some reason couldn't make it here today. I wish they were here with us today. I really do. I really miss you guys when you don't show up. And I I devote my week to making sure i can bring this to you in a way that makes sense you can understand it and you can share in the riches the riches of the scriptures so don't miss don't miss i'm glad you guys are here all right i am gonna draw the second point from the first part of verse two that's what i'm gonna do so let's just look back at the text we'll read it one more time verses one and two The second point, we are standing in grace. I'm drawing it from the first part of verse two. Paul says again, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, that's Christ, we have also obtained, or as one translation says, gained, okay, either word, obtained, gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We're going to stop right there. Another translation of God's Word puts verse 2 simply like this. Through faith in Jesus, we have received God's grace. In that grace, we stand. Okay, so there are two words in verse 2 that I want to focus with you on this morning. And that are, those are the words grace and stand, okay? Grace and stand. There's more we could say about this passage, but this, this is what we're going to narrow in on, focus in on. Grace. What is grace? I didn't tell Tim to say all that this morning about grace, but that's just the Spirit of God kind of working things out, bringing everything together. It was beautiful. It fits perfectly with what we're talking about this morning. Grace. We went over it specifically in Romans chapter 4 when we were looking at verse 16. And I explained to you then... That biblically speaking, grace, maybe you remember, grace is unmerited favor or blessing that is freely bestowed or given. The word bestowed is, is basically giving undeservedly. You, it's, you give it to someone, but they don't deserve it. So that's, that's grace, okay, when we speak of it in the Bible. Unmerited, what did I tell you? That means you didn't merit it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for this. this is, these are blessings. This is favor that comes from God to us freely undeserved as a gift. Do you remember that? Okay. Paul says in Romans 3.24, you can look there, you can see it there in your Bibles, that we are justified, just to get the, the feel of this word, we are justified by God's grace as a gift. We are made right with God. As an act of his grace, our justification, the forgiveness of our sins, and our new righteous status before God, our full, complete acceptance before God. Because that's what we're talking about when we talk about justification. All of it is entirely a matter of God's grace, according to the scriptures. As sinners, we don't deserve it, we can't and don't earn it. Otherwise, It wouldn't be what? Grace. It wouldn't be grace. We talked about that too. It wouldn't be grace if it was something that was earned because grace is unmerited favor or blessing that God freely bestows or gives. Okay? But rather, beloved, we simply receive it, we simply accept it by faith, justified, made right with God by faith alone, and it's all according to His grace. Grace. Get familiar with that word if you're not, because it's an awesome word and it should fill your mind and your heart, as we'll see here in a second. I hope it will. Now, what about the word stand? We're going to come back to this. I'm just looking. So we got grace, right? We kind of know what that is, and stand. What do I want to point out concerning that word? I mean, that seems fairly obvious. Well, the Greek word translated stand, okay, in our English Bibles, that Greek word, can be understood to mean simply remain firmly. Remain firmly. So instead of saying stand, you could say, when you look at this passage, that we remain firmly in this grace. Or we are firmly set in this grace of God that Paul is referring to here In verse 2 of Romans chapter 5. So then listen. The idea in this verse, this is so good, is not only does justification by faith give us peace with God, as if that's not enough. I mean, there's more. But it also, as one great preacher said of the 20th century, it puts us firmly in the place of all blessings. All blessings. And by that, he's referring to the blessings God freely bestows on all those who have been justified by faith. Okay, that's one way to say it. Here's another way, because I find it helpful to say the same thing in slightly different ways to really get at the, the meaning, the The meat of what's going on. Here's another way to say it or express the meaning of this verse. Just listen. Having been justified through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been brought into a place of grace or undeserved privilege. I love that. Undeserved privilege. A place where we remain firmly... Or you could say it another way, a place where we have been put to stay. Okay, hold on. Let's say it another way. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we, beloved, have, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who are truly Christians, we have entered and been firmly planted into the realm of grace, the realm of grace, where God's unmerited favor or blessing are freely and continually bestowed to us where God's grace is constantly poured out on us. Ooh. Now, beloved, these realities, these truths, are so, they're so important for us to grasp. They really are. For us to understand, what we learn from this passage in Romans is that Christians, beloved, abide or dwell, if you will, in a state of grace. That is, we have entered into or remain or go on living in the sphere or realm of grace. You could rightly say that the place of God's grace is the Christian's new Permanent address. You understand what I'm saying? Does that make a little bit of sense to you? We have taken up residence, if you will, in the glorious and wonderful city of God's amazing grace through justification by faith. We now permanently dwell in the place of God's favor. Did you hear what I said? guys are very quiet this morning. I know because I'm missing my amen sister over here, and she usually gets the rest of you going, but I don't know where you are right now, but I'm worked up. Maybe it'll take a second, because I had all week, right? So I'm just dumping it on you right now. So it might take a few minutes to set in what we're talking about here. I hope it'll become more apparent why this is so important as we move forward. Listen, no longer then, no longer then are we living under the wrath of God, but we have been removed from that awful place. Removed, thank you! That awful position, we've been removed from it, we no longer, or now we live under and in God's favor. Okay? No longer then or ever again do you and I need to fear God's condemnation. We stand in grace. But we are living under and in God's grace, beloved. Beloved. That's what Paul's saying. I mean, that's, that's the implications of what Paul is saying. These are the truths of the gospel Paul is explaining in Romans. The good news that God has for us as sinners, let me remind you, sinners who only deserve the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. But through faith in Christ, we have obtained access to God's grace, and now in that grace we stand. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what Paul's saying here? See, the truth is, we who have been justified by faith, we are truly the most blessed people on this planet. Do you believe that? You should believe that. That's what you should believe. That's what Paul is communicating. We are the most blessed people on this planet. We don't always feel like that, but our feelings are deceptive. We need to tell ourselves how to feel. We need to tell our heart how to think, how to react to our circumstances. We are the most blessed people. We are those, listen, I was just thinking this through, I'm trying, I'm writing this. I told someone today, I read, I was reading back through my sermon like I do in preparation. I started bawling. I'm not gonna do that. This morning, because then it makes it hard for me to communicate. Start dribbling and everything. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just looking at my computer screen. I start bawling, thinking about these things and trying to write them out to you in a way that would make sense. Listen, we, we are the most blessed people on this planet because we have been forgiven by God, right? And we will continue to be forgiven by God because of his grace. We are the people who have been declared right with God, and we will go on remaining right with God because of His grace. We are the people whom the Lord will never count His sins, our sins against. We are those people because of His grace, beloved, because of His grace. We are the people whom God no longer has any hostility against because of His grace. We are the people who have been accepted by God, listen, have been and continue to be accepted by God and will be embraced by God in the age to come because of His grace. We are the people who are standing in grace. One writer, I've quoted him before, a great preacher from the 20th century, served in the same church for 30 years, Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his commentary on Romans and this particular passage, he says this, just listen, speaking to this, just, he says, we have entered into a position Of grace. God now looks upon us with grace and in a gracious manner. God looks upon us, beloved, favorably. That's how he looks upon us. The sinner, listen, now when he says the sinner, he's referring to in the context the unjustified sinner. That means the one who has not been justified by faith in Christ. The one who still is not right with God because they have not put their faith in Christ to make them right with God. He says the sinner has the frown of God upon him. Listen. That is the terrible thing about the position of the sinner. That is the sinner who has not been justified by faith in Christ alone. God cannot smile upon the sinner. You think that's what's going on? That's what a lot of people think. God loves you. Don't worry about it. He's not smiling upon sin. The sinner, the one who has not been forgiven of their sins, all of their sins have been punished and Christ. He's not smiling on that one. He's frowning on them. He cannot even look upon sin. Habakkuk 1, 13. He can't even, he's too holy to even look upon it. He can't look at it and go, that's okay. He can't do that. He's angry with it. He's angry with the sinner who has not been justified by faith. He goes on, but now, listen, but now, for us, God looks upon us favorably, and he not only accepts us, he delights to receive us. (laughs) This is amazing, and he delights to bless us. And then he adds this, This is the most marvelous thing of all about being a Christian. Our whole relationship to God is different. It has been entirely changed. Entirely changed. All an act of God's grace. Beloved, no longer are we God's enemies. No longer, no longer are we under his holy wrath. But we have peace with God. We have been forgiven of our sins. We have been made his friends. Can you believe that? from enemies to friends in a moment through justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And we have been set firmly in the place of all of God's blessings in Christ Jesus. We are standing in grace. Now these things are so important for us to know and maybe you're asking why. Why? Why? Why do you keep saying that? So important for us to know. Well, we who have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we who have been justified by faith alone in Christ alone, listen, we don't move in and out of this realm or state of grace that we have obtained or gained access to, but rather we remain firmly planted in it. Okay? That's what Paul is saying. We don't go in and out. One day I'm in it, one day I'm not. One day I have God's favor, one day I don't. That's not what the Bible teaches. God has fastened us to his grace with divine super glue, if you will. Gorilla glue, God's gorilla glue has attached us to his grace and knowing we are standing in God's grace firmly fixed in it you know what that does? It gives us certainty that God will continue to accept us. He will continue to accept us. He will continue to keep us right with Him. Do you understand? Continue. Tomorrow, next week, next year, He will do it by His grace, this grace in which we stand, which should give us assurance. If we understand it rightly, it should give us assurance of our salvation. Assurance of our future glory. Assurance that God, when that day comes, will enthusiastically welcome us and gladly receive us into his glorious kingdom promised for his people. And beloved, having this confidence, this assurance should bring great joy. Huh? Any of you joyless this morning? Any of you, okay, any of you lacking in joy? Because the world beats up on us 24-7. Maybe our spouse beats up on us. So we got the world and the spouse. Maybe our kids, maybe our employer, maybe coworkers, maybe our own flesh. It's a battle, right? Right? But going back to the Word of God, reminding ourselves of these truths should bring great joy and contentment. People are so discontent, looking, looking, I'm so unsatisfied. The gospel brings, it's the only thing that can bring pure, whole satisfaction to our souls. It gives us a true sense of peace if we understand this, our assurance of our salvation and why we're assured of our salvation. It gives us a sense of peace in this crazy world. And you know what else it does? It lights our souls on fire. All right? It lights them on fire, Tony. Right? It lights them on fire to truly live for the glory of God in a way that honors him which means living in obedience to him. Now, why do I say that? How am I making these connections? Well, here it is. Because the person who truly understands the gospel, that's what Paul's explaining here in Romans, and has embraced it and meditates on it, is the person who is overwhelmed with gratitude. They are overwhelmed with gratitude. They are utterly grateful for God's amazing grace. And in that gratefulness, they look to God and they say, what would you have me to do, Lord? What would you have me to do? Not, they're not being forced to do that. They're not being, you know, if you don't do that, we're going to whip you. That just springs forth out of a heart overwhelmed by this grace. Whatever it is Lord I'm willing. As I said earlier, I know I'm weak so I'm going to have to rely on your power and strength to obey you. But how in the in this in how now in light of your grace can I possibly say no to you? You see, see we come at it from a wrong angle. I'm I'm going to I'm going to get you to obey. That's, you know, I'm going to I'm going to guilt you into it, manipulate you into it. That's not how God does it. He saves us by His grace. He puts us in that grace. We learn the truth of these things. We are overwhelmed by that grace. Our heart is transformed, changed. He gives us His Spirit. He empowers us now to live for Him. And we find within ourselves by this grace the desire to live for Him. See? So I want to do it. Now, sin gets in the way and messes that up and gets it all yucky. That's why we got to repent constantly of our sins, confess it to the Lord, find forgiveness there because we have it, and remind ourselves of the truths of the gospel, these things we're talking about. And in doing that, all of a sudden, I find again that fire welling up inside of me that says, God, I want to follow you no matter what. No matter what. No matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, for your grace has saved me. It has saved me. Not only has it saved me, but I have learned through Romans it is sustaining me and it is securing my salvation. Your grace, God. Not me. Not my efforts. You, God. You're doing it all. You've done it all. You're doing it all. You will do it all. See, ultimately, beloved, it is the truths of the gospel. It's knowing them, it's believing them, it's meditating on them, it's repeating them to ourselves and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's reminding ourselves of these truths, reminding we need to hear it. Because are you like me? Are you forgetful? Yeah, I forget. This is why I say, How can you miss church? This is, okay, now I'm not angry or anything. I'm just saying, because I feel compelled. Because all week long, six days a week, you're getting hammered, hammered, hammered. One day a week, you need to hear the good news. You see what I'm saying? This is why people don't miss. I don't know how people go two, three, four weeks getting hammered in the world. They got to be a spiritual mess. I'm telling you. Why do you think God made church? He knows us. At least once a week, we got to get together, stare each other in the face and say, by the grace of God, we are saved. Are you looking forward to heaven, brother? I am. I'm ready to get out of this place. I'm done with this place. Yeah, well, we can look forward to it. You know why? We have peace with God. We stand in grace. We boast in the cross. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Good. And so we are enabled by these things to joyfully and cheerfully obey the Lord. It makes us want to serve the Lord. And by that, I mean it motivates us to stop sinning and start living for him. Did you hear that? Everyone goes, I don't know. I just can't break free from my sin. Yes, you can. You need to think rightly. Let the grace of God. Sit on that. Sit on that. Soak in that. Take a bath in the grace of God. You get up out of that bath and you won't want to sin anymore. It doesn't mean you won't, it doesn't mean you still won't struggle, but things will change in your heart, in your mind. But now, with the five minutes I have left, I want to take a moment and I want to point out something else that's so important. I just, It's an extra, okay? It's a Benny. If the assurance of our salvation, our initial, listen, our initial, ongoing, and ultimate acceptance with God is all a matter of grace. Did you hear what I said? Initial, ongoing, all of it is all a matter of grace. And it is. And It is then we must not fall into the trap, listen, of relying on our performance or obedience to God on any given day to measure whether or not God accepts us. We don't earn or maintain or contribute in any way to our acceptance with God, but it is freely given to us as a gift. And listen, it is continually maintained or held up by His grace. The grace in which we stand. I want to explain this further. This is, this is worth the price of admission. Let me quote from his great book titled The Discipline of Grace. You've never read it. I want to encourage you to get it. If you don't read, I want you to start. I don't know how you're going to grow. I don't know how you're going to grow if you don't read. I don't. Your growth will be stunted, but that's a whole other topic for another day. The Discipline of Grace by Jerry Bridges, great book. In that book, he says this, listen, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. He backs all this up biblically. You are never beyond the reach of God's grace. We'll stop right there for a second, keep the thing up. Later in Romans, we're going to learn from Paul that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. In other words, beloved, no matter how great human sin is, God's grace is able to go abundant, above, beyond it and, and exceed it abundantly. Do you understand that? So it doesn't matter. It doesn't, no matter what the sin is, God's grace can overcome it through Christ. Okay? So I'm never beyond the reach of God's grace. I've never gone too far that God's grace can't reach out and maintain my acceptance before him. That's amazing, okay? That's amazing, but listen, and your best days, your best days are never so good. This is the way I want to get you guys. Your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Jerry Bridges points out earlier in his book that, listen, even our best works, even our best works, our best days are shot through with sin, With varying degrees of impure motives and lots of imperfect performance, we are always to some degree, listen, be honest with yourself and you'll agree with this, to some degree we're always looking out for ourselves, guarding our flanks, protecting our egos. He says further, it is because we do not realize the utter depravity, that means corruption, the utter corruption of the principle of sin that remains in us and stains everything we do. That we entertain any notion, any idea of earning God's blessings through our obedience. This is, that's ridiculous. We think we earn it, we think we merit God's favor, God's acceptance, God's blessings like that? No. So to recap, watch. Watch. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. Praise be to God. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need. The need, beloved. I have it, you have it, all the time. The need of God's grace in order to be acceptable to him, in order to maintain that position. He maintains it. Oh, I'm glad he does. And then he says... Every day of our Christian experience should be a day of relating to God on the basis of our obedience? No, on the basis of His grace alone. We are not only saved by grace, we also live by grace every day. We live by grace every day. This grace comes through Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That's Romans 5 2. That's the verse we've been looking at this morning. So here's the here's the here's the truth. We never outgrow our need for God's grace. Ever. Okay? We begin our saving relationship with God by grace and we continue our life with God by grace. And knowing this and reminding ourselves of it not only gives us salvation assurance. Thank goodness it's by grace. What if I begin my relationship with God by grace, but then, he said, you got to make up the difference. If you want to make sure you get here, it's up to you, baby. I would have no assurance. One day I'd feel pretty good about myself. The next, not so good. In and out and in and out. No, it's not like that. God says, I brought you in. I'm keeping you here. I'm going to bring you to myself. You I have placed right there, smack dab, in the middle of my grace. And that's where you'll stay. (laughs) Oh my. So listen. Knowing that, this is going to be quick, and this is good. Wow, it's good. This is good. You ready? If we know that, if we believe that, if we remind ourselves of that, we will avoid two detrimental mistakes that Christians so often make. Okay? Are you ready for them? Because they're terrible. Both of them are terrible. The first mistake is instead of rejoicing in and relying on grace, the grace in which we stand, when we forget about that or we don't do that or we don't even know about it, we start relying on our performance or obedience to God, and like the Pharisees in Paul's day, we start to think that our acceptance with God is based on that. That it's based on our performance. Okay? Not grace, but on our performance. And thinking God accepts me or looks favorably on me because I am doing well to obey Him leads to spiritual pride that's what it leads to spiritual pride you're no longer boasting in the cross you begin to boast in yourself you may not do it out loud but you do it in your heart because you forgotten you stand in grace that's how you are main that your acceptance before me is maintained that's how you have my favor And when that spiritual pride wells up, we begin to look down on those. Listen, we begin to look down on those who are not as disciplined or obedient or as committed to God as we are. And we begin to relate to them differently. We relate to them negatively. And those unbiblical attitudes, beloved, wreak havoc in the church. I've seen it. I've watched it over and over again. It causes church splits. It rips the church apart, let alone that it repels people from you. We're supposed to be drawing people to Christ. Spiritual pride repels people from Him. But focusing on grace, knowing that because we are standing in grace, we continue to find favor with God, reminds us that God's ongoing acceptance of us is entirely unmerited. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. Every time I have to say to myself, the only reason, God, is because I stand in your grace, that's it. It reminds me, that's right. It's entirely unmerited. You couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it, Jeremy. But I freely give it to you. I freely give it to you. That's love. And that humbles us. It should. It humbles us and it removes any reason to be spiritually arrogant toward anyone else. And it makes us more compassionate when people are struggling or stumbling in their walk with God. Instead of looking at them going, oh my, wow, again, really? When are you going to get yourself right like me? I say, let me come alongside you, brother. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. Let's look at the Word of God together. Listen, the only reason I'm acceptable before God is because I stand in grace. Brother, you stand in grace too. Let that empower you. Let that encourage you to get back up again. You still have his favor. You haven't lost it. It's not based on your performance. The second mistake, we're almost done, is the exact opposite problem, just as terrible. I have fallen into this myself. I've fallen into the other one too, okay? Okay? If we are relying on our obedience or performance, even just a little bit, or maybe just as a supplement, all right, to help us, to help make us more acceptable to God from one day to the other, instead of relying on his grace, the grace in which we stand, then guess what happens when we're not doing so well, when we're struggling with sin of one sort of another, when we haven't been as successful as obeying God as others around us appear to be, and many times that's all it is, is an appearance, then you know what happens? We lose our joy. We lose it. We become bogged down with guilt, depression. And you know what that leads to? We begin to pull away from God. And consequently, that leads to more disobedience. And that only drives us further down into this pit of despair. Despair. Do you see why the gospel is so important in our lives? Do you, are you starting to get it? Are you starting to understand why these truths are so important for us to know, to recall, to meditate on, to remind ourselves, of, to preach to ourselves, to preach to one another? In both cases, the problem is a matter of slipping into a performance relationship with God instead of relying on the one that the Bible describes. I'm going to go with The Bible which is a relationship of acceptance that begins with grace and remains intact by grace, the grace in which we stand. Let's pray. Father, I... Recognize the divineness of your word. It's, it's your word. These, these words that we read out of Romans, they're not just the words of a man. They are your words breathed out by you. The Holy Spirit authored them through human authors. So we can look at this and, and know this is not just some guy's opinion, This is not what he just thinks or something he made up, but God, these are your very words to us and you chose them in particular for us to know and it is obvious why. You could have left this out, Father. You didn't have to include Romans 5. It was your choice. You didn't have to include verses 1 and 2. But you wanted us to know that through justification by faith in Christ alone, not only do we have peace with you, God, but we are now standing in grace, firmly placed there. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the apostle Paul, through whom much of which concerning the gospel, we have that information. He he wrote most of it to us, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for him. But Lord, now I pray help us really get it. I mean, in, in 40, 50 minutes here, it's just a lot to dump. But Lord, may you, through your spirit, take all this stuff and work it out. May our hearts and minds begin to really meditate on these things, think them through until we really get them and we grasp them and we feel our heart leap with joy. We feel a peace come over our minds and we begin to feel that fire kindle within our soul because of your grace and really understanding what that means. I pray all these things, Father, I pray all these things in the name of the one through whom we have gained access to this amazing grace in which we now stand. It is in his name, Jesus, amen.